time when the day came where you were able to burn the note, burn the, the mortgage note, as we would say, and you became debt-free. Now, the reality is, in our life today, we're never really debt-free because of the lovely things called taxes, okay? And uh, we understand that. But when it comes to salvation, our sin debt has been paid in full. And we are debt-free. And there is not another feeling on the planet that can ever replace that, synthetically or emotionally, amen, of the true knowing, the true knowledge that your sin debt, something that, that you couldn't have paid for, all right, you could not have paid the price. I mean, you could have paid the suffering and the penalty for it. Jesus Christ pays that debt and wipes it away free for us. We did not deserve it. We have not earned it, nor can we earn it. And if we can't earn it, you can't unearn it. Amen. Uh, I like the thought that the Father does the sending, the Son does the saving, and the Holy Spirit of God does the stealing. Amen. Amen. So, guys, I want to paint a picture here with you this morning. Uh, before we get into our text verses, we're going to have several verses on the screen that will uh, paint this picture of the topic that I want to bring to your heart today. Because the Lord Jesus Christ has some marvelous events leading up to where, where we're going to be today. And our text verse, as you heard Brother Andy read it already, is sandwiched in between two, uh, two magnificent events in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we're going to look at that here in just a little bit. And as, as time would take place, by the time we get up to Luke chapter 9, in our mind, we'll back up to Luke chapter 8. And we'll think of some of the cities. You don't have to turn there, but think of some of the events that happened where uh, ladies from the city came. They ministered unto our Lord. Uh, he gives the parable of the sower. Then he gives the parable of the lamp. And a few days later, they begin to cross in the Sea of Galilee. Jesus rebukes the storm, if you remember. Now, mind you, the Lord has already done all kinds of miracles. He's done all kinds of marvelous things. And yet when, they, when, when Jesus and the disciples get on, this ship and they go across the sea of galilee he rebukes the storm and the disciples his main men were in dismay they thought what kind of man is this that even the storms listen to him? and it, it, it does in, in my mind i'm thinking how in the world can you see the miracles he's already done and now uh, he rebukes the storm and be, be in dismay but nonetheless they were they land in a, a place called gadara and they meet a man who presents himself as we. All right. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, this we is recorded in Mark chapter 5, uh, that he was possessed of so many devils. Mark in chapter 5 and in verse 9 tells us this. It says, and he asked him, speaking to Jesus, what is thy name? And he answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, what does that mean? It means that there was anywhere from 12,000, 36,000 devils possessed with this maniac of Gadara, as we know. Why is that? Because a Roman legion con consisted of either 12,000, anywhere in between, to 36,000 men. Now, guys, we have a, a world that we live in today that's battling uh, the world of pronouns. And people want to be called they and them. Here's your route to the they's and them right here, Okay. If you want to know where uh, the pronoun police comes from, they come from right here with the maniac of Gadara being possessed of devils. Now, we know the rest of the story. Jesus Christ cast out those devils uh, into a herd of swine. The herd of swine run off the cliff and kill themselves into the sea. 
And uh, then this maniac of Gadara was found in his right mind, clothed, mind you, sitting at the feet of Jesus. It, it, it was such a magnificent event that the townsfolk, when they saw this man that they considered crazy and, and, and uh, uh, you know, un, 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 unable to be healed, um, they asked Jesus Christ to leave. They expelled him from their coast because they were so afraid of the power he, can, he possessed in making this man right. We also find the lady with the issue of blood. It seems like we brought her up uh, quite, a, quite often as of late. But we'll find that in the book of Luke as, as the Lord continues to move on and get to where we need to be today. And, and in chapter 8 as well, we see Jairus' daughter raised to life. And so all of these wonderful miracles happen. And then we finally get into chapter 9. And the Lord bestows power and authority over devils and to cure diseases to his 12 disciples. And he sends them out. Luke chapter 9 and verse 6 says, And they departed and went through the towns, watch this, preaching the gospels and healing everywhere. All right? They returned to, to Jesus. They began to testify the great things that have happened. And, uh, uh, but now here's what's happened. Instead of Jesus rebuking storms, healing a singular woman uh, with the issue of blood, raising a widow, a widow's son unto life, and, and, and raising Jairus' daughter, and uh, you know, casting out the, the, mania, the, the devils out of the maniac of Gadara. Now he sends his disciples out. He gives them the power uh, to, to not only preach the gospel, uh, but to cure diseases and cast out devils. And that happens. And as they come back to testify to Jesus Christ as to what had happened on their trip, they have a following now. They have a group of people uh, that had seen the Lord, uh, they saw the miracles, they had heard about it, and they began to follow us. So the next event on the docket is the, what we know as the feeding of the 5,000. Now the feeding of the 5,000, guys, in reality was 20,000 plus, because they only, in verse 14 of Luke 9, they only counted the men. So you imagine every man had a wife in Jewish culture. Every, more than likely, they had at least two children. So it's at least 20,000 people that were fed that day of such a small uh, amount of food. So as we look at the events of chapter 9 in Luke's Gospel, we see the feeding of 5,000, and then after that, we see the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was trans transfigured into his glorified body before Peter, James, and John, uh, revealing who he will be one day soon after the resurrection, and the ascension on high. But remember, there's this multitude, okay? These thousands of people that are following him. And I want you to get this picture. The Lord had provided a free meal to 20 plus thousand souls. And these people would follow the Lord. They would follow his disciples everywhere up until there was a point of harsh words. Now our text verse is going to be the catalyst of those harsh words. But we also see the aftermath in the middle of those harsh words recorded in the book of John. John in chapter 6 tells us this, beginning in verse 60. Said many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew it himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray him. And they said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man could come unto me except the fa- except it were given unto him of my Father. And from that time, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So, beloved, I want to ask you a question here this morning as we work our way into not only the title of the sermon, but as we'll eventually get into a text verse where we'll settle in. What do you, why do you think they departed? Why not simply just obey, trust, believe, have faith? They saw the feeding. They were part of the feeding of the 5,000. They've at least heard of the miracles that have occurred. They've seen many of the miracles. and they're fo- Guys, we're talking 20-plus thousand people are following Jesus Christ. He's given them a free meal, and they continue to follow him until... He has the words. Well, John gives us the answer of why they stopped following. In John chapter 6 and verse 26, and uh, I'm going to let you get there in your Bible, if you will, to hold your place in Luke chapter 9. But in John chapter 6 and verse 26, we find the reason why they quit following after the harsh words. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, watch this, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Jesus Christ called them out very early. They were not following Jesus because of the miracles they had seen. They wasn't following Jesus Christ because of a, uh, the dead they saw maybe raised or the sick healed or the blind see, or the deaf hear, or the mute speak, or the paralytic walk. They were following him because they ate of the loaves and were filled. Just to make it simple, they were there for the free meal, my friends. They were there what they could get out of him. They were there because of what they could get out of Jesus Christ. And beloved, this is the spirit in which I want to bring a thought to you this morning, known as the spirit of entitlement. Entitlement. The word entitlement is defined as the fact of having a right to something. It is a spirit which infects the society. It is a movement which breaks down the drive to labor or to achieve goals or to improve self. It's a movement, guys, that just really robs people of taking basic responsibility, personal basic responsibility of yourself. Best-selling author and entrepreneur Rob Liano said, if you think someone or something other than yourself is responsible for your happiness or success, I guess you're not that happy or successful. The spirit of entitlement, beloved, let me say this to you very clearly this morning, is a plague. The spirit of entitlement is a plague which breaks down the foundation of a society which should be and is built upon personal responsibility. Beloved, it is not the government's job or your neighbor's job to provide for you. It is yours and yours alone. You say, well, preacher, you can't say that. I just said that, and I'm going to support it now with the Bible verse. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, he said, for even when, uh, uh, even when we were with you, this we command you, that if any would not work, neither should you eat. Neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some 
which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Not your neighbors, not your cousins, not your mom and daddy, but you get off your backside and you go to work and you provide for yourself. You say, my goodness, preacher, that's Bible? That's Bible. Social programs, I understand possibly, and I'm saying possibly, have their place in certain areas for a temporary time. But they are anti-biblical because they rob a person of what this body was built to do. Our body and our mind was not meant to be lazy. I see enough lazy missionaries come over here and do nothing, write letters like everything's going to the world, and all they do is go from home to church and home to church. They don't do anything in the community, but they go sightseeing, they have a field a day, and they're nothing but lazy and thieves, if you will, of mission support around the world. And I've had my fill of it. You are not entitled to anything in this life but death. Do you understand that here this morning? And I mean, you say, preacher, this is hard for a Sunday morning. This is hard for any day, but this is reality. Do we understand entitlement robs you of a desire to get up in the morning and be productive? Why do you think communism has never worked in any country in the world? You go to any communistic nation today, and you have the greatest divide of low, lower class or, or, or uh, you know, poor people and upper class, all right? You have people living in poverty the overwhelming majority of the time. You have physicians in Cuba today making $27 a month. The stipend that they get. It does not work. My goodness, they tried it in the Bible, and it didn't last past two verses. Ananias and Sapphires sold uh, part of the land and kept back part. It's human nature, guys. So, as we mentioned earlier, the feeding of the 5,000 and the Mount of Transfiguration where the Lord Jesus Christ is had called, had called three of his main disciples up to the mountain to be transfigured before them as to what he was going to be one day. But before the Mount of Transfiguration and after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus called his 12 disciples together. He called them together and began to ask them, who do men say that I am? They said, well, one of the prophets, Elias, Jeremiah. He said, but who do you say that I am? It's one thing to ask what the community says. Well, who do you say I am? Of course, we know that Peter came up with the greatest answer, thou the Messiah, the, the Son of the living God. Jesus Christ was building upon a statement here in Luke 9. The depth of that question went so far beyond our understanding and comprehension uh, that if we're not careful, we tend to read this verse over and go, yep, there it is, bump of the road, let's keep moving. Let's get to that wonderful event when Jesus Christ is transfigured into this glorified body. That's what we want to see. I want to see that voice come from heaven, this is my, my, my beloved son. Uh, that, that's where we want to get. And we find that Jesus builds upon this statement of asking who he was to teach about his death, burial, and resurrection. And then what he does, he goes, listen, guys, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 15. All right? If you are saved today, you are saved because you have believed on his death, on his burial, on his resurrection, according to the scripture. Nothing else. You are not saved by any other mechanism or methodology at all. That is the gospel today. People say, well, the word gospel means good news. 
good news about what? Death, burial, resurrection, Jesus Christ. It's that simple. So the greatest event to ever happen in our world today was the three days beginning in Calvary and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen to that? That's correct? And then right on the heels of Jesus Christ presenting the gospel to his disciples or as what was going to happen, he calls out every lazy, self-servant entitlement in the world, past, present, and future with his very next verse. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, as you heard Andy so greatly read it this morning. And he said to them all, if, small word, big meaning, any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I want you to notice the conditions that Jesus Christ gives if you're going to come after him. I want you to notice the conditions that Jesus Christ sets in stone on the backside of the gospel, the greatest gift that mankind's ever been given. And a gift is free, mind you. But if you're going to follow him, the first thing we find is a prerequisite. What is the prerequisite this morning? Jesus says, let him deny himself. This is the first and fullest prerequisite there is. There must be a recognition of receiving Jesus Christ by grace through faith that it is neither earned or deserved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained. We should walk in them. The good, works, the good works come after the salvation. You can say, the good works come after the decision. Once you are saved, then you are commanded to walk in those good works that Jesus Christ himself has set in tow. But before that, good works do you no good whatsoever. When we begin to, to wonder why things are happening to us, why should I suffer, or I didn't get the blessing that she got, we need to stop and remember Self is to be denied. Because we don't deserve any of it, guys. We don't deserve the blessings. We don't deserve the we don't deserve those things because we are a naturally born sinner. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the precious gift that our loving God has given us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his son, now we can get it all. We can have the peace and the joy and the happiness. We can have the fruit of the Spirit. We can have the, the power and the sound mind. We can have all of those things, amen, because of what he did. But you're going to follow him. There's a prerequisite. And that's you're going to have to deny yourself. What does that mean? You're going to deny sinful pleasures for a season and represent Jesus Christ outside of the four walls of this church. You say, preacher, I come to church every Sunday, I come to church every Wednesday. Praise the Lord. That's called faithfulness. Anything less is unfaithfulness. Faithfulness is what produces fruitfulness. If you don't have faithfulness, you're not going to have fruitfulness. It's, that's simple mathematics today. But I am telling you this this morning. It'll be very clear. You come to church seven days a week. If you're not denying yourself. Now, mind you guys, I don't have the time this morning. I could preach on denying yourself under church attendance, under tithing, giving, under witnessing, under just serving God in general. I could preach that for over an hour and a half and probably still not scratch the surface. 
But I'll just sum it up like this. If we're mixing and melding with the wickedness of this world, how well are we going to be able to witness the gospel that separates the two? You can't. You've rendered yourself powerless. If you're not faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the local church, to live in a life that he has commanded us to live, you are rendering yourself powerless in witnessing the gospel. Guys, bad things are going to happen. You know what? Great things are going to happen too. I understand, guys, when bad things happen, it's easy to, to allow them to overshadow the great things that happen. And I get that. that that's human nature as well. I understand that. Sometimes we've got to peel back those bad things that are happening and say, yeah, but you know what? I'm going to get through these clouds. I'm going to get through this tunnel. There's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to get through this valley because there's a mountaintop experience over there. If I'll just get through these days right here, God's going to take me where I need to go. We never expect them to happen, but sometimes it does. And many times, guys, it happens, and it happens for this reason. And, and just listen carefully, and we'll go to the next point. It happens to draw us closer to the Conviction in our heart, digging in our heart, toes being stepped on. All of that happens for a reason, to draw us closer to the Lord. And if, we, if we're not willing to accept the first prerequisite, you're never going to get to the next one. You can't, when we get to that cross in a minute, you can't pick your cross up without denying yourself. Can't do it. You only got two hands. Can't hold the self and hold the cross. Too heavy. Can't do it. We're not entitled to it. So the next thing that we see is, not only is there a prerequisite in following him, but let me make it very clear. It's very, very, very personal. It's personal. Notice what the next part of the verse says. Jesus says, deny yourself, that's part number one, okay, and take up Andy's cross. Take up Calvin's cross. Take up David's cross. Take up Bailey's cross. That's not what it says, does it? Take up his cross. Yours. An entitled mentality will say this. Hey, Dev, uh, man, I, I'm tired today. Come pick mine up. You got two hands. <laughs> you strong boy. You can deadlift two, three hundred kilos. Hey, come on, man. Pick that cross up, you know, for me. You can't do it. Put mine on top of yours, Andy. And you carry mine for a little while. That's what the entitled mindset would be. I'll give you a quick example of an entitledness in the Bible. Remember when the, 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 the man went down to Jericho and fell amongst thieves? Number one, those thieves are entitled because they look at you and say, what, yours is mine. And then that Levite and that priest came by and one passed by on the other side. They looked over there and they, and they just avoided the whole situation. Those are entitled. So they say, what's mine is mine. I'm not going to give it to you. But the one that denies himself and picked up his cross daily was that old Samaritan who wasn't, having anything, wasn't supposed to have anything to do with Jews. They're supposed to hate one another. All right? And he said, what's mine is yours. You see, what I'm trying to tell you here today, guys, is that, that we have our own cross to carry. It doesn't work like that in the world of entitlement. Every cross is personal, and you only can take up your cross and not someone else. And it's called personal responsibility. You're responsible for yourself and your family. Men, you are responsible to lead your house in a right spiritual manner. A man that will not lead his house spiritually is not worth his weight in salt. Personal responsibility. And nextly, we see that not only is it personal, not only is there a prerequisite, 
But beloved, it's something that is perpetual. What's the next word? Pick up his cross? Daily. It's not something you can just do on Sunday. It's not one and done. If you want to follow Jesus Christ, it is a daily thing. It's a lifestyle, guys. It requires one thing the entitled community will never have. And that's called discipline. It's no different than losing weight. It's no different than getting stronger. It's no different than building a financial foundation. It's no different than proper parenting. All of them require a daily action. Daily discipline. Meaning even when you don't feel like doing it, you do it anyway. You train anyway. You eat correctly anyway. You say no to drink, alcoholic drink, anyway. Why? Because alcohol, it makes you stupid, all right? There's a, it's even proven by science that it does, that it shrinks your brain, amen. Every drop of alcohol you put in your body, you're getting less smarter, okay? You witness anyway. Well, I just don't feel like witnessing today. You do it anyway. You put away savings anyway. You live below your means anyway. You give tithing anyway. You give to missions anyway. Because there is a blessing beyond belief on the other side of those things when you do this daily, amen. Feelings have nothing to do with this. Feelings have nothing to do with the Christian lifestyle. It's doing what needs to be done in a disciplined manner, avoiding the entitlement trap. It's a daily activity that you must be sold out. I remember when I got out of, out of uni, and I was in the, the middle of an NFL campaign at the time, and, you know, I, I, I was a, a, Sunday, a Sunday church goer, to say the least, and, and I watched my dad my entire life, amputee from 1968, I watched him work and break his back and bust his tail every single day of my life. We worked in the, in the yard, we worked in digging trenches, we worked, we worked, we worked, we worked. That was our life. I remember dad come home from, 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 from teaching. He was a school teacher. He'd come home. He would grade papers. He'd go out in the yard and work in the heat in southwest Florida. Uh, we'd have dinner. And he'd lay down on the setting uh, for a few minutes to try to catch a little bit of rest on a Wednesday night. I could tell he was dog tired. I said, Dad, I said, I know you're tired. I said, why are you going to church? Why, you know, you already had three services, Sunday morning, two on Sunday morning, Sunday school, and then Sunday morning, Sunday night. Why are you going on Wednesday? You're tired, man. He leaned up off that setting, and he says, B, I'll tell you what. Even when I don't feel like going, I'm going to go anyway. And every single time I've gone anyway, I've received a blessing. You see, your life, Church should not revolve around your schedule. But your schedule should revolve around if you want that blessing in your life. If you want it. That was one of the last times I ever missed a Wednesday night service. My entire life. When I watched my dad answer that question for me. Showed me what it requires. Called discipline. Faithfulness equals fruitfulness. Jesus is showing us right here today about entitlement. He's given us the answer. You're going to have to pick your cross up. It's yours. It's personal. There's a prerequisite. You have to deny yourself. 
but you're going to have to do it daily. It's not one and done. And so, guys, here's the deal. So when these three, when these three fall in line, only when these three fall in line, when these three are done and dusted, the prerequisite, the personal responsibility, and the perpetuality of it, only then, only then, can you and I pursue And he just made it clear, didn't he? And follow me. You see, there is a requirement if you want to follow Jesus Christ. Once you fulfill the top three and our understanding, our compliance, our conformity to Christ, then can we truly proceed and follow Jesus. Entitlement won't get it. The entitlement crowd will not accept it. Because in their mind and their heart, they deserve it anyway. They deserve grace anyway. They deserve mercy anyway. They deserve salvation anyway. And the entitled crowd will take the salvation. The entitled crowd will receive the gift. Give me, give me the gift. We all like gifts. They'll open the package. They'll take it in. They'll be born again. They're saved. But they won't deny themselves. They won't pick up their cross. Definitely won't do it daily. And they're hindered in perceiving the Christian lifestyle. You say, preacher, wait a second, but I'm, but, I'm, but I'm saved, right? I can't lose my salvation. Yeah, you're saved. You know what, guys? You can leave that cross right there on the floor. You can leave it there for your entire life on this earth. Just leave it. You'll go to heaven. Now, i got a problem in my mind thinking why you're, if you desire to do that, if you're saved and born again of the Holy Spirit of God, you should want to do it. You should want to follow Jesus. But we all know that human nature, depending on which one you feed, is the one that's going to win. Pastor Ellis always said it's like having two dogs inside of you, a good one and a bad one, and the one that's going to win is the one you feed. Stick them, boy. In other words, the one that's going to win is the one you feed. Flesh is still there point I'm trying to make to you today, guys, in Antioch, Syria, where they were first called Christians, they wasn't called Christians, and you've heard me say this time and time again, they wasn't called Christians because they were saved and baptized. They wasn't called Christians because they were members of the local church. They were called Christians because Paul and Barnabas assembled them for a year and taught the way Jesus Christ lived. They taught this right here to deny yourself, to take up your cross daily, and follow him. That's what they were taught, and they took it literal, and they took it on the nose, and they walked out, and they lived the life of Jesus Christ. A man who had died 15 years prior. And the world said, they like that Christ. Lost people said, they're like that Jesus guy. Those who knew not Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they heard about this guy that lived a 33 and a half perfect years. And the Romans killed him at the words of the Jews. And man, now they got this following that is just blowing up. Every time you try to kill one, 17 pop up, and they're going... That's who they are. It's an each day and every day thing, guys. It's moving along the path the Lord has given us to take up our cross of personal responsibility, to be perpetual in it, to proceed every day, making choices to simply do what is right in the eyes of Christ, despite the world, despite, despite the cultural acceptance. To follow Jesus Christ, make it a difference in our own life. And that's the only way you're going to make a difference in someone else. Beloved, I'm going to say this, and I'll be done. We look at the world that we live in today. We complain, we moan, we groan. We've been out of shape because of what is predominantly on the news today, the acceptance of certain lifestyles, the acceptance of certain 
perversion, pedophilia today is trying to be normalized, which, you know, pedophile deserves to have a millstone wrapped around the neck and chucked into the sea. That's, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. We moan about it, we groan about it, but we've sat in our pews, not even padded pews for that matter, and we've done nothing in our life to live a life of Christ in our world. The churches have over the last 50 years, churches have closed their doors, effeminate men have taken the pulpit, ladies have taken the pulpit, a false doctrine has been taught. The predominant doctrines that are being taught around our 64 million people, 99% of them are false. They're either a replacement theology, Arminian, Calvinism, Catholicism, whatever it may be. I know this sounds like doom and gloom this morning, but I'm here to try to tell you and give you an encouragement today. But the power's in your hands. The power's in mine. The responsibility has been given to the body of Christ. Missions is the heartbeat of God, but it's in our hands. Your neighbor is your neighbor. Your co-worker is your co-worker. Your family member is your family member. And it is your responsibility to deny yourself, and when they see that, to pick up your cross, and when they see that, and when you do it daily and they see that, and follow Jesus Christ and they see that, then and only then can you say, let me tell you about the Jesus Christ that I serve, that loved me, that died on the cross for me. Let me tell you about, uh, for God so loved the world that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have you know, everlasting life. Let me tell you that he gave his only begotten son. Let me tell you about uh, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's when you can do it. You can't do it before. You can't do it before. The last is born. And that's the generation that we live in. Live in a world today that feels as if they're entitled to heaven. Just because they were born in what some people call a Christian nation. Christian nation doesn't exist in our world today. There's one holy nation. There's one peculiar people. And that is the body of the living Christ. The church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are saved and born again. And they're made up of every race, every dialect, every skin color, every country in the world today. We're not entitled to salvation. That's why Jesus Christ had to come. He died for us. He died for us. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for your wonderful opportunity to stand before preach your word today. Different sermon, different idea, different thought. But I just come to you this morning, and I pray, dear God, that you make a mighty difference in the lives of everyone that has heard this sermon or will hear it. I pray, dear Lord, that we would take the personal responsibility, that we would set ourselves to the side. We would take that cross that time. We would do it daily. Even on days we don't feel like doing it, Father, I pray. A constant reminder of Luke 9, 23, that we would get up and do it anyway. So we may follow you in the right ways according to the scriptures. So Lord, I love you. I thank you. I give you honor, glory, and praise for all that you have done and for who and what you are. In Jesus Christ's name.